Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy taylor Cabaz. I would like to start by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And as this podcast is dedicated to the wisdom and knowledge of motherhood, I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the elders, their wisdom, their knowing, and my own elders and teachers. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Mother Movement Podcast. I want to start this week by asking you, have you ever believed that if you changed your thoughts, things would be different? I know for me, in my huge self-help exploration that I started in my very early teens, I have carried that belief for a very long time that by changing my thoughts, I change my life. And therefore, all I need to do is think differently. Well, that's what today's podcast episode is all about because as part of the Mama Rising training and the way that I get to speak to women around the world, I have so many divine conversations with many different women. And one of the conversations I have loved to have is about exactly this. This is with Dr. Fabienne Chevillier. She is a therapist, a coach, a mama rising facilitator and coach, an educator and researcher into language, the mind and behaviour, and is also a mama herself. She focuses very much on anxiety and depression, trauma and emotional blocks, and has a fascinating background in linguistics and language, sociology and psychology. And so therefore, with all of those beautiful insights together, is the perfect person really to speak today about this idea of our thinking creates our reality. And when we speak like that, but also then understand what matrescence is, how we can do that better. So thank you so much for being here, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. As I said, this fascinates me because I really have been a uh, devotee of this idea for most of my adult life that, Amy, if you just did better with your thinking, if you just tried harder, if you just followed that formula, then things would change. So share with us what your background with this and how you've explored this idea. So. 
um, I've always been interested in how we do what we do, why we do what we do as human beings, why we behave as we behave, how we think how we think. And so for years I was uh, researching and teaching on those aspects and that was really fascinating. And then I became a mum and um, it really shook my foundations in a way that um, I didn't expect. And I thought, well, I've got this, you know, I'm a strong, capable woman, I know what to do, I've got this. But something wasn't right. There is something about that, that just thinking, I've got this, I can do this, wasn't enough. And to help myself, I trained as a therapist. Um, I wanted to learn the tools and techniques to kind of find out how I could help myself with that. And then I ended up seeing a lot of clients and realised that actually, um, if that's the way we go, it's limited in terms of its impact. Um, so um, I see for a lot of my clients, wherever they come from, whatever issue they come with, there's this issue that I'm not good enough. They think I'm not good enough. Um, whether they come for depression or anxiety or trauma or whether they come for um, because they're yelling at their children or having the same argument with their partner or drinking too much to calm their much or crying all the time. It all comes down to I'm not good enough. And if all we do is work on just doing the opposite and getting them to think you've got this, you're doing the best you can, then it will backfire. Mm. Why? Why does it backfire? I mean, I've seen it myself, within myself, but also when I first started this work years ago, you know, that's what I thought we needed to do. We yeah. were there to change that story, to go from unworthiness to worthiness, to go from I'm not a good mum to saying I'm a great mum, I'm doing the best I can, I'm the perfect mother for my children. Yeah. I mean, I wrote the affirmation cards <laughs> to myself on that. <laughs> Why doesn't it work? Because, well, there is a lot of truth in understanding that your thinking actually affects your reality. So we know that yes. thinking creates your emotions, which drive your actions, which get you the results that you get. So if you're feeling not good enough, you're likely, or if you're thinking you're not good enough, you're likely to feel anxious or upset or angry or resentful. And that, if you're overwhelmed by all this emotion, you're likely to end up doing the things we talked about, yelling or getting into arguments. And that confirms back to you that indeed you're not good enough. And that cycle repeats over and over again. So it's very important to understand that that cycle exists and to recognize that cycle, how you get into the same things. My clients always said to me, it's like I'm on autopilot. And it is. That's how the brain works. But... That idea that all you need to do is change your thinking to change your life is simplifying what's a very complex situation. It ignores the fact that our thinking is shaped by our environment, the society we live in, the upbringing we've acquired, um, the experiences we've had. So as children, we grow up in a society that teaches us very subconsciously what it's like to be a good mum. And we don't question it, we just observe the fathers, the mothers around, the representation of motherhood in the media, in the movies, and we develop this idea, being a great mum is somebody who's always happy, always enjoying every moment, it's got to be blissful, and you have to, you, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself to your children, your dreams, your desire, everything goes on the back burner, and it's got to the point where I see women wearing burnout as a badge of honour. It's become a mm -hmm. sign of good motherhood. 
And to me, there's a problem with that because it's completely unrealistic. And so when we have thoughts like I'm not good enough, if we don't understand all of that context that we have this idea of the perfect mum, which is guiding our thinking, then we're likely to think all I need to do is think I'm worthy, I'm good enough. But a lot of it actually comes from outside and it's shaping that thinking. So um, I had a client who uh, came to see me. She she had a corporate career before she came to see me. And then she tried to go back and find that it wasn't working out. She couldn't commit all of the time. And she ended up feeling that she wasn't measuring up. And so she left her career, decided to stay at home. And when she came to see me, something still wasn't right. But she related to me an incident with her husband where her little boy, who was three or four at the time, had been sick and she'd spent a few days and not looking after him, as mums do, you know, sleeping in the child's bedroom and all of that. And then at some point she asked her husband um, if he would look after the little boy so she could have a shower and go and see her mum, whom she hadn't seen why. And he said to her, you're the mum, it's your job to look after him. I've worked all week for this family, I'm off to the pub. And by the time she came to see me, she said that initially she felt angry, but very quickly she defaulted to, well, she felt guilty. He's right, I'm the mum, it's my job to look after my little boy, you know, I'm doing something wrong. But she didn't really quite know how to articulate that. That to me, his reaction and her reaction really show that they both have this idea of what it is to be the perfect mum. And it's not just the mums, it's it's the boys as well we grow up this idea. That can be very yes. toxic, very, very toxic. And so for her, when she said to me, well, I'm not good enough, you know, what kind of a mum I am, you know, is my, my boy's not well, I, I wanted to have time away from my boy, you know, what kind of mother wants time away? And I said, we're not good enough compared to whom, you know. And then we unpack this idea that she didn't even realise she had of the perfect mum. So... You then need to dissect all of that because if all you do is worked on affirmation and changing unworthy, it doesn't get you to understand that there are social and cultural influences that you've taken on that lead to your current reality. Yes. It's like the thinking or the things that we tell ourselves, as we say so often in our training, it's the symptom of the culture and environment and upbringing and experiences we've had. So if you're only treating the symptom, as we know in medicine, Mm. then you're never going to change the core or you're never going to address or heal the core thing. It's it's the deeper acknowledgement of what's going on. And what I love about what you're saying and I feel so passionately about as well is that the way you're describing it there is also changing it from a very individualised, personal problem, an individualized experience of there's something wrong with me or I need to do this, I need to do better, the very individual experience of this. And if you go beyond that and look at it the way you've just described it, it shows that actually this has got so many other moving parts. It's not just me that's the problem here or that I have to fix. And that's exactly right. That's the problem because if all you work is on the thought and try to adopt an opposite thought without understanding where it's coming from, at some point, and especially with motherhood, you'll find that things aren't working out because you're learning on the job. When you do something for the first time, you make mistakes. So there will always be something in motherhood that tells you that, oh, this is not 
right or I could have done better. And so if you don't understand that, you end up beating yourself up. I'm the problem. I'm not good enough. I've not tried hard enough. And this is this underlying issue in the kind of the trend in the coaching industry to say, if you just, you just need to change your thought and your whole life will change. And basically it means that if you, if your life hasn't changed, then you're the problem. You know, you've not tried hard enough or you've not thought the right way. Um, And that's problematic because then what people do is they suppress their emotions. They feel guilty and then they suppress all of that. And then that comes back up in different ways, whether through yelling or arguing or eating or drinking, whatever it might be. When the problem actually is not you, the problem is that you're trying to live according to an image that's so unrealistic that no one could meet it. And my client, for example, she didn't realize that um, her leaving a job wasn't actually an actual decision that she made. It's like it wasn't possible to sustain a 14 hour day when you have a child. And some people say, well, that's a sign that women are the weaker sex, but actually, What's the choice? You know, the choice is the children don't get looked after, the house is a mess, somebody has to do it. And our society is set up to prevent mothers from thriving. And then they take it on as private. Yeah, our society is set up to not allow mothers to to thrive. Absolutely. Um, As I've shared so many times, it was the same realisation. I thought I left my career in the media up. by choice, but also because I couldn't do it. It was an individual experience that I thought I had had, and it wasn't until well into my work in the Tresents and what, I'm sh- what I share and do now did I realise, oh, hang on a second, I was trying to not only survive but thrive in a system that was never set up to support me in this way. Can we talk quickly also about what it does to a woman or to a person when we are trying to change those thoughts and we are essentially lying to ourselves in that process. What I mean by that is you deeply believe you're not doing a good job and so you then start to change that belief in the way you speak to yourself and so you start telling yourself, I'm doing a great job, I'm doing a great job, I'm doing a great job. But you know in your body, in your truth, it's not true, that has such a detrimental effect to feel like you're lying to yourself to try and fix this. Can you share with us what you understand about that? For me, what it shows is a reluctance to accept where you're at. And one of the things, I was having this conversation with some colleagues only last week, um, I make space for the person to express to me their reality. Um, so I can meet her where she's at because there's no point in me saying to you your life will change when you change your thinking if you're not at that place yet Mm. and so you need to recognize what your reality is and the reality is if you are a single mum with three children and you're in the middle of a divorce and you're working two jobs no amount of changing your thinking is going to change that reality And so it ends up, you're beating yourself up. You end up suppressing all these emotions because you think that they're wrong. Things are wrong to feel that. People can be so disconnected from what's happening in the body. So 
we end up resisting, avoiding, doing all sorts of things to avoid feeling those feelings because we believe that they're wrong. You know, somebody controls their thinking. They only feel good things. And we forget that all of these things, anger, um, anxiety, guilt, they're normal things. So people will often say um, emotions are neutral. But they don't actually explain to you that emotions are also socialized and gendered. Anger is an example of that. Pretty much all of the mother clients I've had have been angry. And they say to me in a very quiet voice, I yell at my children. And they truly believe they're the only one doing that. And again, you need to understand that anger, whilst it's a normal, natural human emotion that we need to experience, we're brought up in different ways as boys and girls. For boys, it's acceptable to express anger. They're strong, they're capable, they're driven, they're determined. If a girl or woman, especially a mother, expresses anger, she's bossy, she's masculine, she's not quite right somehow, um, there's something wrong with her, she's not feminine enough somehow, in some shape or form. And so we learn very early on to suppress that. We learn that it's not right to feel anger, it's not right to feel all these emotions. And we suppress part of ourselves when we do that. And when we become mums, this is triggered on and on and on. And if you keep pushing yourself down, you end up with anxiety and depression, you end up with burnout, you end up with chronic health issues. All of that is well documented. It's not surprising that mothers have been shown to be more susceptible to chronic um, health issues, physical as well as mental, than men. Um, so it leads to a lot of um, pain, physical, emotional pain. And we end up being so disconnected from what's happening in us that we don't actually recognize. That I have some clients who are so disconnected from what's happening in their bodies because they're so fearful they've been brought up to uh, suppress any kind of negative emotions. You know, don't be such a drama queen or um, I give you something to cry about these things that you've, you've heard but it can be done in a more subtle ways um, your mum might have given you a biscuit when you were expressing any kind of upset and whilst it's meant as a well-intentioned gesture because your mum didn't want you to suffer what it's teaching you is it's not right to feel what you're feeling at that moment and so we carry that into adulthood and and then we don't know how to express and what we're feeling. And when we're mothers, we're under so much pressure, there's so much going on, we are, we're overwhelmed, the to-do list is so long. And then we are left with all these simmering emotions that destroy us from the inside to a degree. Um, and so it's about reconnecting, because otherwise the pain is just so intense. And then you repeat that cycle of, it's my fault, I'm not good enough. It's not your responsibility you can't sort everything out on your own. It's not your fault that the system is set up for you not to thrive. It's not your fault that you can't make a 12-hour, 14-hour day work alongside the demands of two or three children, or even one. You need to understand that to start allowing the person to connect with what's happening with them. So let's, let's explore that. Rather than trying to just change our thoughts and therefore do a better job. I know that this is obviously a very complex answer, 
but for those that are listening who are totally resonating with what you're saying, where do we start if we recognise that internally we, we have those thoughts where I should do better than this, it's really hard, why everyone else is doing better than me, Any whatever version of that it is, um, where do you get mummies to start? I start with, and that's where I started myself, it's with when I recognise the why, why is this happening, why am I not getting on top of this, why is this a problem? The why is a sign of resistance. I'm not liking what's happening now. So it's really identifying the times, the places in your life where that resistance shows up, where that ideal of the perfect mum shows up, how it's showing up in your life, in your context. And adopt an attitude of curiosity. I often say to my clients, you're a detective, you're looking for clues. And that allows a little bit of distance from the emotions. So is it that you're yelling at your children? Is it that you're constantly saying, I'm not good enough? Why am I not on top of this? Why do other mums seem to be so much better at this than me? And then stop and think about, well, what is that telling me? And really explore, well, what is that telling me at that point? What would I have wanted to have happened? Mm. Connect with the body at that point, because there will be tension. Where is that tension? What's it telling you? Because that's what emotions are. They're kind of neurochemical reactions that tell you something. But because they feel uncomfortable, we avoid them. But sitting with them and saying, okay, what's happened in that particular situation? And then think, well, what did I need at that point? Instead of what I did get, what did I need at that point? So mm -hmm. let's say that the children haven't been listening and for the 20th time you've asked them to do something and they're yelling and they're screaming and you're... You've had your full work day and you've come home and you're exhausted and they're not following through, which every mum will understand. Yes, every mum has just gone, uh-huh. And, and you end up snapping or yelling because you're just mm -hmm. so overwhelmed. When you are calmer, explore that. What did I need then? And often you'll get things like, I needed to be heard. I needed to be listened to. I needed to feel that my voice mattered. And so you explore that, why is that important to you? You keep going down that, why is that important to you, being heard, being listened to? Until you feel that your body is starting settling. Think, yes, I want to be heard. And then, well, how can I get that? So you start exploring mm. the ways that you can get the thing that the emotion is pointing to. But to mm. do that, you have to connect with what's happening and notice how it feels in the body. And what it's telling you. So exploring those places that we actually try to avoid because they feel uncomfortable. Yes. It sounds cliche and simple, but it's, it sounds like to go from judgment to curiosity, which I know sounds like a self-help meme on Instagram, but I do actually mean that, that if in those moments we can, instead of judging it, be curious about it, be you know, meet it with kindness a little bit, meet it with compassion, meet it as you would somebody else. I know for me it is still so much of a daily practice to catch that thought in my mind. Um, my classic overwhelm mantra internally and externally, I say it out loud, is um, I can't do this. This is too much for one person. I can't do this today. This is too much for one person. That is like the 
that is my exhaustion, oh. fear, push to my limits mantra. And I used to try and meet that with, yes, you can, you're doing a great job. And I've learned that, that I can get there eventually, but if I just smother myself in that moment by saying, it's okay, Amy, you're doing a great job, that actually the, the beautiful way you described of that release in my body, that peace, that never arrives. Because all I've done is basically told myself to be quiet and be a good girl and keep going. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I've done in that mm-hmm. moment. And gosh, that took a long time to learn. <laughs> and a lot of mums will struggle to even identify the thoughts that are running, but they'll know how they feel in that body. So instead yes. of actually, when you have you come up against that moment where your chest is tight, your tummy is bumbling, your shoulders are open, or whatever it might be for you, Take that as a sign that the perfect mother idea is kicking up in the background. Just Connect to yeah. that. It will pass. It will pass. Just become curious about, okay, that feels mm-hmm. that way. That doesn't feel quite. And actually, when you start connecting into it, it starts to dissipate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to then identify what the thought might be. Because people feel the emotions before they notice the thought. So if you're asked constantly to focus on your thoughts when you're completely overwhelmed emotionally, then start with the emotion, what that feels like. And listen, what's that telling you? What's not quite right here? So there are moments where I feel very frustrated. And for me, it's a tightness in the chest. I can feel it. And it's like a heat coming up. And I go, okay, it's coming. And I so okay, what's that telling me? What do I need right now? What's this really about? And if I allow myself to explore that, then I know, well, I'm exhausted and I can't deal with this bedtime routine right now. I just need some rest or whatever it might be. And then well, how can I get that? And it's listening and actually taking steps. And I've learned that the discomfort will ease. I used to fear it. You know, the chest is so tight. It's, it's up here in your throat. And, um, and now I know that it will pass. And that if I listen to it, they're telling me what I need to be doing at that moment, not what I should be doing according to the perfect mother thing, but what I need right now. And if the bedtime is 20 minutes later, so be it, you know. Exactly. Whose roles are those? Because that model of the perfect mother, we've not chosen so many mums that beat themselves up against it. Um, against that wall constantly and they don't realize they've not chosen any of it yeah it's almost an unconscious thing that they're doing not realizing where it's come from and i imagine that's why the work around matrescence and adding this element of matrescence into what you're doing now has deepened what you already knew because here is this understanding i'm assuming that you can also share with these women of um you know this is a process of becoming a new version of yourself. This is something that we work at as we go along. This isn't just a natural just because you were born female and you pushed a baby out or had a baby that you automatically need to know what to do and do it perfectly every single time. Is that what this gift of matrescence has given the work that you do? It was interesting for me because a lot of my work on sociology was about identity and how we shape who we are in the real world and and that sort of stuff. 
And when I became a mum, I was just wasn't prepared for that identity. And like a lot of mum, I felt, well, I'm just going to go back and do what I did. And then I'm going to carry on being a career woman and do all of that. And even with all of that understanding, I didn't realise that there were so many layers to that identity. And so the matrescence work is really allowing me to connect. I work a lot with professional mums who are going through this, with this aspect of maybe you've lost your economic independence because you've had to leave your job or you've gone part-time or you've gone into a career where there are fewer hours um, and what all of that means. So it's allowing me to provide a deeper degree of understanding and allowing them to explore that um, in a deeper way. Because very often we're told about the physical, you need to snap back to your pre-baby body, you need to be ready to have sex within six weeks, and you need to be, you know, all of these things. Um, and, and your hormones will play havoc and you'll be exhausted. It will be blissful. It doesn't matter anything oh, yes. else. The best thing you've ever done. And and no one tells you that all of your other identities will have to be put on the back burner for a while. That you're going through phases of life where um it took me a long time to realise that that I didn't have to put my whole dreams and goals and aspirations on hold forever. There was an, a moment in time when that wasn't doable because the circumstances of having young children don't allow that. But keeping that alive, and it took me a long time because I wanted it back straight away. And I see that in so many of my clients. So it's about identifying what phase of life or season of life you're in and then keeping those dreams going in any way that you can, knowing that they will be available again. But it's recognising where you're at at that point and validating that. Because if you don't, you just keep beating your head against the wall thinking, I'm not going to, I should be able to do this. Why can't I do this? And social media contributes a lot to that because we get such a sanitised version of people's lives. Um, so for me, it's really added that element of it, allowing um, clients to explore where they're at um, beyond just the idea of the mother, the other parts of their identity and how all of that feeds into who they are and how in suppressing all of that, you actually feed that idea that you're not good enough. And actually, it's just a normal part of a human being. It's like a puzzle. You're made up of multiple elements, but the puzzle pieces change as we go. The image changes. And, and now I look at it as I can actually shape the puzzle the image that I yes. wanted to have. But before I didn't, it was an imposed image and I was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And then the more you push that square peg in the round hole, the more it feels like a straitjacket. And then, oh. so it allows me to now, mm, oh, for me it's been so much like that. And I recognise that in my clients. So matrescence allows me to have that discussion with them about where is it? pinching for you where are you feeling that straight jacket where are you the peg in the round hole what bit of you is not being expressed mm, my goodness I mean this is what I talk about day in day out and I have gotten so much out of this conversation I have learned so much doing this with you over the last few months um, and exploring how your work and your insights then deepen 
the work that we're doing in Matrescence. So thank you so much for your wisdom and your insights that we've just been sharing. You have created something special to share with our listeners that are in the show notes. It's an anxiety relief workshop that you would like to invite everyone to have a listen to and and, um, download. So please have a look in the show notes for the details of that. And, um, And thank you for your wisdom and your passion around this. Thank you so much for having me. And if I can just leave your listeners with a note of hope is that the client I was talking about with the child and the husband, he said, um, I'm going to the pub, I've worked. What all of this work gave her is a language to start having a discussion with him about all of that. As opposed to before she felt completely powerless and gave her the language and they ended up being able to change things. He listened, not having realized himself that he was living according to that perfect image. Didn't mean things got magically perfect, but they were able to start having that conversation. So there's hope, it gives the language, it gives a framework to discuss, to explain what's happening with that blame. Oh, perfect way to finish this episode. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having Thank you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 